You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Dan Jetto. Great privilege to be able to open the Word of God uh, with you each, each every six weeks or so. Um, sometimes it's more stressful for me than others. And I want to uh, share today about learning to love like Jesus. And, and my opening thought was this. Have you ever thought about this? That the deepest, strongest, most compelling human desire is to be loved. The strongest, deepest, most compelling human desire is to be loved. All the things that we chase after is often so that someone might like us. So people pursue wealth so that they can own things and do things that would make people like them. And then they post what they're doing on Facebook and see how many likes they can get. People want to be famous for the same reason. We get up in the morning and we spend time getting ready, uh, checking our hair, or for people like me, looking for our hair. Let's see if we can find it. Um, makeup hair color, Botox, fashionable clothes, because we want people to say, wow, I like them. For teenagers, there's always been this pressure to have that boyfriend or girlfriend once you hit a certain age, to be popular, to be well-liked, whether it's because you're a jock or because you're a musician or because you're a nerd. Um, each group has their own. Uh, we, out, we also had, when I was a kid, the druggies. And so you had to fit in one of those groups. Um, so uh, we wanted a group that we could belong to that, that would have positive relationships for us. And you know what? It's not wrong to desire to be loved because God, when he created us, he created us to be lovers. He wanted us to be in loving relationship with him, and it was broken at Eden. And sin breaks relationships. All sin breaks relationships. So when that was broken in the Garden of Eden by Adam and Eve, then sin could creep into our world, and it affected all the relationships that would happen after that. Real love is good. First John 4, 8 says that God is love. It is, a, it is central to his character. He, he would want us to desire it. He wants us to know and experience genuine love. Now, we chase after all sorts of other things to try to fill in that gap where we don't get love. And Solomon in Ecclesiastes, if you read that book, he says it's all meaningless. Some translation says it's vanities. No, meaningless. The pleasure, the fame, the riches, the knowledge. And you know what? He was right. What the world has to offer is meaningless compared to what God has to offer. So what if someone could offer something better than what the world has to offer? Not the superficial love, the the things that fill our days, but something real, something eternal, something other-centered, something that made us feel whole and wouldn't disappear when the fame or the beauty or the hair disappeared. Okay. Wouldn't we want to be a part of that? But did you know Jesus commands us to be that place, to be those people? 
That's the command to the church. He said this in, in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. And I want you to read this with me. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I want us to read that again. It's a short passage. Normally I have a long passage. We'll have other scripture that's longer. Uh, but this short passage, let's read it again. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's simple in nature. It's simple in structure. And the purpose is to set us apart. As believers, we should be the best lovers in the world and for others to recognize as we love that we have been with Jesus, that Jesus would be glorified and magnified because we love. Now, this kind of love is supernatural meaning that we cannot manufacture this in our own strength. To love like Jesus, we have to have Jesus in us. We need to be believers. We need to have taken that step of faith. And that brings me to my bumper sticker. If you've never been here before, I like to have a bumper sticker. One phrase that kind of sums up everything in my message, and is this. May Jesus in me be the love they see. May Jesus in me be the love they see. Now, as we look at this passage, I want to put the passage in context as well uh, because it helps us understand what is happening and just how important this command that Jesus gives is. The command is given the very night that Jesus was betrayed. So this is the night before he's hauled off to be crucified. As they gathered for their meal, Jesus, to show his humility and his love for his disciples, had washed their feet. Now, this was the task of the lowest servant. Jesus did that for his disciples. In verse 21, it says, Jesus was troubled in spirit because he knew one of them would betray him. One of his closest friends was going to turn him over to the Roman authorities and to the Jews. Immediately after he gives his command, his heart is broken again because he tells Peter that this very night you're going to deny me three times. Three times tonight you're going to disown me. So in the midst of all this stress, the spiritual and emotional struggle, Jesus says to them, a new command I give you, love one another. Now if you stop right there, I can imagine the disciples saying, oh, that's easy. I like these guys, fist bumps, you know, and, and the guy hug where you go shake hands and then kind of pat him on the back. Uh, but then Jesus adds the next phrase. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now it gets personal. Because each one has had a different experience with Jesus. Jesus has loved them in a way that nobody else has loved them a way so deep and accepted them in the midst of their worst tragedies. And they're thinking, ooh, this isn't so easy anymore. Let's take Peter. Um, Peter was a loudmouth nobody. He was a fisherman. Um, He probably uh, could write a book on swear words. Well, actually, he might not have been able to write, um, but he might have been able to tell you what they all were. Uh, 
And, and Jesus believed in him. So Peter's thinking, Jesus believed in me. He pulled me out of my boat to become the leader of, amongst his disciples. That's how Jesus loved me. Levi, we call him Matthew. He wrote the Gospel of Matthew. He was a tax collector. He was hated by all of the Jews. Everybody in Jerusalem hated Matthew. Nobody wanted to be around me, he would be thinking, unless they were wanted to get something from me, a connection to somebody in government so they could get a good contract, to be at one of my parties so they could have the free, really good food and, and drink that were being presented. But Jesus called me personally. He invited me to be his friend. He treated me as an equal, as someone who was worthy of being a friend with, without asking me for anything. Each one of us have had a similar experience. How has Jesus loved you? What did Jesus call you out of that brings you here today? I want you to think about that. Loving one another as Jesus loved you. So this is how we are to love one another, the way that Jesus loves. Jesus' disciples spent three years living with, watching, and serving with Jesus. So when they hear him say they must love one another as he loved them, they know what it looks like. Us, not so much. Because we had, we don't have that close, up personal, up close personal experience with Jesus. And as we look at the passage, in each one of the times where the word love, love one another, is used, now, Pastor Chris talked about this word last week. It comes, it's a form of the Greek word agape, which is an unconditional and sacrificial love. It is selfless and it is supernatural. Like Jesus, then, we'll begin with unconditional. We have to love unconditionally. And I want to picture, uh, and, and, and this is a picture that came to my mind of unconditional love. And I, it's something concrete that I think, especially if you're already a parent, you can relate to. And that's a couple has a newborn baby. Now, as a parent of four children and 18 grandchildren, I know exactly what newborn children do. They do four things, okay? They eat, they sleep, they cry, they poop, Okay? That's the four things a newborn baby does. Only four things. Uh, and if you watch a mom or a grandma changing that stinky diaper, what do you see? All smiles and cooing and talking to the baby as they take the diaper off and roll it up and wipe the butt and put everything in the trash. Why do they do that? It's because they love that child so very much. They love the baby. The baby is theirs. They, it's my child. I love them not because they gave me poop, no, because uh, I can't invest that. That has no value to me. No, I love them because they're mine, and and I want to hold them, and I want to raise them, and I want to make them strong, and I want to teach them. I did it with my kids, not so much with my grandkids. I pass them off to the that stinks. Give it to the mom, uh, but. Uh, that's how Jesus loves us. He says, you are mine. I want to hold you. 
I want to clean your messes off of you and take and throw them away. I want to raise you up. I want to make you strong. He forgives us. He already owns everything. We have nothing to offer other than our love to Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we can't change. We can't make him better than what he is by who we are. And that's what unconditional love is. It's loving just because they are. Just because they are. And in the family of God, we should love one another just because they are. You're my brother. You're my sister. That is how we are to love unconditionally. Now, Jesus had some examples that we can see. One point in time, there was a leper who came up to Jesus. And in Jesus' time, if you touched a leper, you were immediately unclean yourself, and you had to separate yourself from the community. And the leper comes up begging for healing, and Jesus walks up and he touches him and he heals him. He had compassion on him. He loved him unconditionally. Peter disowned Jesus three times on the night of his betrayal. And then a few weeks later, Jesus shows up on shore and Jesus forgives him and he restores him. That's how we are to love. That's unconditional love. Now, how, how can we put this into practice in our real world? If you're an older person like me, think about when you were growing up. If you're a teen or a, a, a elementary school type kid, think about this. There are people in our world who are not athletic. There are people in our world who are socially awkward. There are people in our world that I'm not comfortable being around because of whatever differences they are. So what if you're in gym class and you know there's a non-athletic person and you pick them first instead of pick them last? You're picking them because you want them on your team, not because they necessarily have anything to offer the team, but you want them to feel valued. The socially awkward person, what if you invite them to an event or a party to show that we love or value them? Now, when you think about it, it may not help our team. It may not add anything to our life but has the ability to do amazing things in the life of the person who has felt like an outcast. As adults, we can do the same thing. Invite the outcast. Befriend the lonely. Put the weaker person on your team at work and mentor them. Help them to grow stronger. We can love unconditionally. We can love like Jesus loves us if Jesus is in us. When we are loving people unconditionally through the love that Jesus has for us, it will be genuine, and people will see it as genuine. It won't be faked. It won't be contrived. It won't be something done out of duty. We see this in Mark's account of Jesus calling Levi. I want to go back to Matthew uh, and his calling. And while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples for there were many who followed him. And when the teachers of law who were Pharisees saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? They, didn't, they couldn't go to ask Jesus. They had to ask his disciples. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus did not care if people criticized him for loving those the important people didn't care about. 
He loved unconditionally. He was not afraid to have his reputation tarnished by those whom the world had rejected. He knew they would not bring any prestige to him. They would not make him more popular with the important people. What he cared about was them. That's unconditional love, caring about those people. May Jesus and me be the love they see. Let it be unconditional. And like Jesus, we must also love sacrificially. At this time, the disciples didn't. At the time when this commandment was given, the disciples did not fully understand what Jesus was telling him. They wouldn't fully understand the extent of how he loved them until after the resurrection, after they had received the Holy Spirit, because Jesus' love is perfect, and we are imperfect beings. We cannot fully understand, without the Holy Spirit's power, the love of Jesus Christ. But the clearest example of Jesus' sacrifice of love is the sacrifice on the cross. The cross as we view it today, the crucifixion and the beating Jesus experienced on that day when he died was more painful and excruciating than anything that we can imagine. Now, I've experienced a lot of pain in my life, but it's nothing compared to what Jesus has experienced. Ten broken bones, 240 stitches, multiple surgeries that I've had to go through, um, some without anesthetic. So I know what pain is, but it's nothing compared to what Jesus experienced the day that he died. He sacrificed for us even though we did not deserve it. Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for the righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if we go to a very familiar passage in John chapter 3, verses 14 through 7, it says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may uh, have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So if you look at these two passages, the Romans passage looks back to the sacrifice that Jesus made. The John chapter looks forward to the sacrifice that Jesus was going to make, being lifted up on the cross in sacrificial love. Now sacrificial love, one thing you might notice about this, the word sacrifice in it means it's always going to cost us something. Sacrificial love is not free. It's going to cost us something. And it may cost us emotionally. In John chapter 13, verses 18 through 26, we see this in Jesus' life. And it it begins like this. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill this passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. And after he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to his 
this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, it is the one whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. Jesus' heart has to be breaking at this point. Judas has been with him. He loves him. And he sees Satan enter him. Nothing hurts more than to be betrayed by somebody you love. Nothing hurts more. But this did not stop Jesus from loving Judas. He loved him sacrificially. Part of sacrificial love is learning to pray for those who hurt or who will hurt us or who have hurt us, either purposefully or unknowingly. And and that's really hard to do. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 42 through 45, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Our love should be different from the world. It should set us apart. It should show that we are the children of God which is why it's impossible to genuinely love this way in our own strength. We need Jesus in us. That is how we are to love sacrificially. Sacrificial love may cost us financially. John also wrote in 1 John 3.16, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So sometimes love, sacrificial love, means foregoing our material wants to meet the needs of someone else, someone in the church. This is tough. Now, it's getting easier for me, um, partly because of what God has done in my life. We're going to sing a song at the end of uh, the service called Scars. And, and in that song, it says, uh, thank you for the scars. Uh, because uh, and, and the idea is that thank you for the scars, because without them, I would not know your heart. And in, in 2004, my brother died uh, at a construction accident. And it changed my entire worldview. Material things became much less important. People became much more important to me. So I, I'm not afraid to help on the material side, where before I, I would have struggled more with that. And I've seen this happen in one of our small groups uh, several years ago. Uh, one of our small group members their water heater failed, and the group pitched in to pay for it. We had somebody who was skilled at doing that task and replaced that water heater for them. So uh, that individual had their water heater changed out uh, by the group, uh, that the small group that was involved. Sacrificial love may cost us time. I tell people that time is my most valuable commodity. I can replace money. I can't replace time. And when you get to my age, there's less of it left. Okay? So the, the, the reserves are, are, are lessening. This is the hardest thing for me to give up. The hardest thing for me to give up is my time. 
Part of that is because I'm an introvert. I get recharged by being by myself. I like to be by myself. I'm different that way. So um, I, I enjoy being with people, but only for a certain amount of time. Maybe that's why I wanted to be a physicist and didn't want to work with people, and God made me a pastor because he likes to poke at you every once in a while. Jesus, though, knows my needs. At the same time, he knows that I need to be more selfless and less selfish with my time. To love others, we have to spend time with them. Sometimes it's inconvenient. Sometimes it feels, if you're like me, like you are robbing me when you take my time. Mark 6, verses 30 to 34, Jesus wanted to have some time alone with his disciples, but he sacrificed that time to the crowd who came chasing after him. It says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. And then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot all the towns that got there uh, from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large, uh, uh, the large group, he, a crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Now this sacrifice of time, and in this particular story, if you read further, someone's lunch led to the miraculous feeding of five thousand men, plus all the others who were there, men, women, and children. In my life, I've prioritized the life group that I lead. Uh, we meet on Thursday nights and prayer on Saturday morning with Pastor Chris. Uh, you can join us for that in the ministry center. And, and I'm giving up sleep. Uh, I, I have to get up at 6.30 on Saturday morning to get there. Um, I'm giving up golf, and I've been a person who has loved golf all my life. But I no longer play golf on Saturday mornings with the guys because I would rather pray. Now, it's not a huge sacrifice, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying that this is a huge sacrifice, and I recognize this, but I have found, you know, that when I prioritize my time to be with people, to love them the way that God has wanted me to love them, that oftentimes I leave, and when my group leaves, I feel wonderful. When I leave the prayer time, I feel encouraged. I feel refreshed. I feel uh, like I've been given something new. And here's what Jesus says about sacrificing for him and his kingdom in Matthew 19, verses 28 through 30. He said, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, fathers, mother, wife, or children, or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. And many of the first who, uh, many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Jesus is promising us so much more in eternity than what we could ever give up here. And he asks us to love sacrificially. We should be willing to sacrificially love those to save those whom Jesus loves, knowing it will cost us emotionally, financially, and time. May Jesus in me be the love they see. Let it be sacrificial. Finally, love like Jesus is supernatural. We can't achieve this in our own strength. We're not going to be able to consistently love, uh, unconditionally, consistently love sacrificially 
without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He has to change our hearts, which means we have to be in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please don't leave here without talking to Pastor Chris or myself. We would love to share with you how you can know that. The love people see working through us should be different, and it should exceed what the world can offer. Jesus said in Luke 6, 32-36, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who uh, do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those who you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But to love, uh, to love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back, then your reward will be great and you will be the children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. When we begin to love like Jesus loves, unconditionally and sacrificially, people will be drawn to us because they will begin to see Jesus in us. And that's really the whole purpose of it. If you look at the very end of the command, it says, so that they will know that uh, you are my disciples. That's why we love this way. So I want you to ponder for a moment, who is Jesus calling you to love as Jesus loved you? Maybe you could write their name down on your bulletin. Our first step may be to pray for them and ask God, how could I display your love to them? How can I show them unconditional love? How can I show them sacrificial love? As we leave here today, if we love like Jesus, people will know that we are his followers. They will see a love that is greater than the world has to offer and will want to join us in following Jesus. May Jesus in me be the love that they see. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. We meet 10 a.m. Sundays at Chatfield Elementary School on 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.